So I'm sitting there scrolling, 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 scrolling through Netflix, right? Right. Trying to find something that is literally going to catch my eye and pull me in. Right. And all of a sudden I see this thing and I see his face, right? I see his his the look in his eyes, it's a painted face, his hat that he always wore, his long hair. And underneath it says Bob Dylan's uh, Rolling Thunder Review. Yeah. And and I said I, I this is something I absolutely have to pay attention to. Right, right. right. And I listen to that, and John and I, we turn it on and we watch it because that's what we do, right? We get into these <laughs> bizarre, you know, right. late night, uh, either serial killer, <laughs> right. like, like we love the serial yeah, killer they've stuff. They've got that like, sewn up pretty good. I mean, Netflix. they've got that nailed <laughs> yeah. down, right? I mean, yeah. Mindhunter will warp you, right? Yeah. So it's either serial killer, murder mystery type yeah. deal, or it's some kind of awesome stuff like the. Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine, uh, oh, yeah, right, that, right yeah. the, whatever that one was, and, and or some other kind of cool one. But we put this thing on, dude, and it hit me so substantially in my heart. Oh, really? That it reaffirmed the brilliance of what music can do for us. Absolutely, yeah. And I got to tell you, Shanna Man Lemon, <laughs> I got to tell you that your music has always done that for me. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Your music has always hit me in a way that I felt changed from it. Wow. I felt, I felt a, a, a whole different perspective wash over me. Wow. Thank you. You're able to pare down the essential notes of life and put those notes together in such a pristine way and in such a, a um, there's this beautiful pace to your music wow. that, that has always been just one of those things that just overwhelms well, me. Thank you so much. I, you know, I, I, it's amazing to hear that from, from someone that I hold in such high regard as you. And I know you've got a great ear and, uh, you have a musician's heart, but you're trying to try to put it in your fingers. I know, but uh, no, thank you so much. I mean, it's uh, um, you know, it's a huge part of my life and a huge part of who I am. And I, you know, I write music. Um, you know, it, it's so personal to me. I don't write it with the intention of um, having it have that effect on people. Quite frankly, it's really uh, it's but very that's personal. the thing, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it, music is a personal, just like art or poetry, yeah, or anything we do. It's a, it's a, it's an extension of our own soul, right? It's it's true, and, but you know what I was speaking of Dylan. Um, one thing I found interesting about him is that early in his career, uh, and and it and at a point when he was doing the basement tapes, um, that he was really writing songs that he just wanted to sell. You know, he was really looking at himself as more of a, really a songwriter and not so much a performer poet that he really was and I always thought that was interesting because like you his music had such an incredible impact on me I really felt like it was a piece of his soul or a piece of his himself that was really in these songs and I, I always found it interesting that he he was also interested in sort of the commercialization of just a song for being a song that it didn't necessarily have to be 
this deep-rooted anti-war song yeah, or anything right, like that. Right. It was, it, it, it's it, something to make your finger snap and tap your foot. Right, and he was very, you know, I, I think that's one thing that's so interesting about Dylan is he was always very conscious of the, you know, commercial value of a song as well, you know, and that he wasn't afraid. He didn't shy away from that. And I, I've, I thought that was interesting because probably like a lot of people, I arrived at, you know, music thinking, wow, this is some kind of ultimate uh, confession or some kind of ultimate comment on a person's own individual experience. But what you find is sometimes, you know, songs are, um, you know, they're written for occasions or they're written for commercial purposes. And that does, you know, that can be just as beautiful and meaningful that, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, a totally self-confessional my uh, dog just thing. got ran over or yeah, I just yeah. had the worst breakup in my whole life right, and right, my heart is right, ripped out right, right, and, right, and I've yeah. got to write that song, yeah, right? Yeah, and 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 so, um, you know, that I always, uh, you know, I think my songwriting does tend to be more personal because I, you know, I'm I'm writing songs in a, um, uh, as a, uh, you know, as a non-professional and I'm writing songs that are, that are coming to me uh, that are, uh, you know, purely inspired. You know, I'm not sitting around every day and being, you know, hey, I got to write a song about X, Y, and Z and try to, you know, I got to pay my rent with this song. You know, it was, <laughs> you know, it's, it's purely fun or it's purely right. a reflection of, um, you know, something that I'm feeling. And what I, what I do like to do is sometimes inhabit the consciousness or inhabit the ideas of other people and write a song through their lens. Um, but you know, my song, my songs are very much a, um, you know, very much a personal reflection, which is, you know, somewhat, a, like I said, somewhat a product of sort of the amateur nature of what I'm doing as opposed to someone that's like, I, you know, I'm paying my rent with this song. You know, I need, living I need, in it. yeah, right. I need, I need this notes. to have some commercial yeah. value. I mean, my stuff is, is very much just purely reflective of, of something I'm thinking or feeling at the time, or, you know, very often, as you know, it's about my, my children or my right. wife or some experience I've had with those people. But, um, you know, it is interesting that, that, that songwriting can have many different purposes and you know sometimes it does need to have a, a commercial resonance or a commercial value to it hell you know? look at taylor yeah. swift man yeah. 185 million dollars last year wow. i mean that's pretty commercial yeah yeah i you know it, it what's remarkable to me is is man we we have known and for for the listeners out there it, it, welcome to the frog logic podcast thank you so much uh i'm i just can't get over uh, how honored and humbled I feel for the support everybody's been giving me over the last month since I'm back on with the Frog Logic podcast. We're closing in on 100,000 downloads already. Um, it's really just mind-blowing to me that that so many people have so much faith in me, and I want to thank you so much for it. I feel very blessed. Uh, um, and the reason Jan's here with me today is is so you un- so you better understand, uh, Jan and I have known each other 30 yeah it's gotta be 30 it's 30 i've got my 30th reunion this year so holy sweet baby jesus wow all right so jan and i met each other at st andrews back in the 80s we we played lacrosse together (laughs) we we knew each other but then he went up to st lawrence uh i i you know did my thing everybody's been you know bombarded with that and (laughs) and then when i got out of the military and came home I'll never forget that one storybook night. Uh, I was in the wishing well. Oh, yeah. the wishing well. Oh, <laughs> uh, and it's not there anymore. I know. Dude. We should have bought it. We should have done something. What happened, bro? We don't have any dive bars left around here. Nothing. Right? Yeah. Nothing with any with any you know no, with no any grit flavor. to it. No, right? No. They're all gone. Yeah. Everything's gone. <laughs> anyway, so we run into each other there, and I look over, and it's Jan, 
and I get this overwhelming feeling of joy and happiness, which everybody who knows Janet Man Lennon knows that cosmic synergy is a real thing. And, and that's God working to fulfill a, a deeper rooted sense of happiness. And that's a, a, a not many people on this earth possess that, but Jan Lennon does. And and so I see him. We reconnect. And before you know it, uh, we have I'm starting to drill down on you with this whole concept of frog logic and that I'm going to help kids and save kids lives yeah. and all this. And and I need I've got these ideas. Do you still play music? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, what else are you doing? I'm a lawyer. And oh, really, where are you working? And next yeah. thing you know, you're interviewing at my dad's law yeah. firm. You yeah. get hired and we start this collaborative process in the very beginning of frog logic. Yes, yeah. But more importantly, we rekindle a friendship or, right. or really ignite a friendship yeah. because we didn't hang yeah. out in the same social circles much. Right. But I always I always had this, you know, profound like of you. You know, I yeah, always saw, I, you know, the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I felt, you know, we were we were a year apart, which doesn't doesn't seem like a lot. But, you know, how in high school, you know, you tend to, you know, you hang out with the kids in your grade. But I mean, we we had cross cross pollination with with parties and lacrosse yeah. and things. And I remember you very distinctly uh, drawing. You know, you were always drawing on your notebooks yeah. and things, and you'd always show me your pictures because I think you just knew that I got it and I liked art. Totally like, got like, it. Check you this totally out. You totally got it. And you were yeah. in, in, into Hendrix, and uh, I well, remember it was so you, strange. You're you know, really talented. You at know. that time, I was so afraid. I had so much fear to expose my passion for art. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, we, although you know. Boca Raton is not a, a, a metropolis of right. culture by yeah. any stretch of the means. You know, still, you know, there's a refinement here. Right. Um, and there's also a, a kind of built-in expectation for your the role you move into based yeah. on your parents or where you're from or all that right, shit. Right. And, and for me, man, I was very afraid to expose my passion for art. Yeah. But every time I was around you or Brian Colt right, or, right. or or Crangies or you know, yeah. I it was okay. Yeah. And I and I was able to subdue that fear in in order to be able to expose my art. The question I want to start out with you. Yeah. And I know I'm jumping all around, but right. that's no. what I do when I get. <laughs> you warned me this yeah, was going to yeah, happen. Yeah. That's, I, I can't said, stop my said, brain. There's no right? net and there's yeah, no yeah, script, yeah. and we're just going to do it. <laughs> is is when you did you start when you started playing music? Did you have a fear? Does it did it alleviate a sense of fear in your life, or what was the basis for why you wanted to start playing music? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there was my house always had. Music. There were always guitars and pianos and banjos. My father played music. Um, it was just. It felt like it was always there. You know, had he played music his whole life? Just in college. You know, he was a, a. You know, he was in in college in the '60s. So you know, it was the time of of you know, kind of folk music and rock and roll. And so he he picked up the guitar probably like you know a million other kids at that time in college. Just kind of messed around with it and loved you know loved folk music, loved Dylan, but loved rock. You know. Bowie and you know the Rolling Stones, but also love classical music. So there was always just a lot of music in my house, and I you know I really have to credit him with with exposing it. To and me. what's crazy to me too is yeah. people that are younger, people that are yeah. listening, is you know they've they've got Alexa in their house, and, right, right? And it's yeah. like Alexa, That's play, true. yeah, play, play, you know, Grateful Dead, Morning Dew, yeah. uh, Cornell, nineteen seventy seven, and Alexa <laughs> right, plays right, it. Whereas right. back then, right, right, it you, was LPs. Yeah, and you really you had to have someone a, kind of guide you and right because there was. 
you weren't yeah you really couldn't just pick up music you know it had to be you had to be sort of educated or something or you had to be exposed to it it wasn't just naturally flowing all around you know you had record collections and things like that so it really music was in the house but I didn't I didn't play my parents weren't like those people that you know made me start taking lessons or anything like that I I came to it very organically and it really wasn't till high school and the thing that really inspired me is my dad had some um, old blues records, and I the way the, the guitar sounded. Do you remember on what there, they were? I sure do. I remember a Mississippi John Hurt and oh, uh, and Elmer gosh. James and um, uh, other guys like Buka White, and um, they were you know they were playing this really interesting primitive guitar music where the guitar didn't even sound like a guitar. You know, it sounded like percussion. It sounded like you know, it sounded like a, a drum and a, you know, it just had this really interesting Where sound. Where they smack the wood yeah, or just, the way they'd pluck yeah, the strings. They were so, yeah, they are so strong and so aggressive the way they were playing. And, yeah. of course, Robert Johnson and the slide. And, oh, and I, I, that's what really captivated me. It really Another wasn't until— Another great Netflix documentary on yes, that. Yes, yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah. I did see that. It was amazing. But that was, that was really the spark, quite frankly. It wasn't, it wasn't so much, you know, rock or even folk. It was when I really heard these old blues players, I thought— Man, I didn't even know a guitar could sound like this, and I became really interested in in playing. Uh, what, at what's that point. interesting to me, though, is is we don't necessarily uh, embody the Delta bluesman of of, <laughs> right, of, right, of, right. of Mississippi, Alabama, or right, all right. around there. And 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 is your is your headphone going in and out at all? Yeah, it's okay. I I got the right channel. It feels like pretty good. Okay, but, yeah. I just want to make sure because I'm getting a little in and out. Anyway. Yeah. So it's not like we embody. Right. <laughs> right. And nothing Blue in common game. with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's pretty obvious. But yeah. what was it that, that you heard in their lyrics that drew you in and made you feel this deep connection to I, it? I guess it's that universal, you know, maybe it's because I heard it at a time where I was, uh, you know, becoming a, a man or becoming, I, you know, maybe experiencing some kind of pain for the first time or, you know, your emotional development. Maybe I had to be that age to even have some kind of minimal understanding of maybe what it felt like to be uh to have to have some kind of painful experience not that you know anything i had experienced would would equate to you know identifying directly with the song but i don't you know it could have been that emotional connection but i really think it was driven mostly by the by if i'm being really you know if i'm thinking about this and you know serving my memory correctly i really think it was the just the sound, you know, the sound of what was going on. And, and yeah, just the, yeah, just the, yeah, yeah, just something about that. And that slide, and even, yeah, the slide. And maybe I didn't even know what they were talking about in the song, but I could, I could feel it in the voice, you know. And I think that it was just so visceral and so, so raw and interesting to me that I, that that's really where it, it, um, you know, that's that was probably the first th- time I said. Man, I'm gonna figure out how to play this guitar, you know. And right. I remember, remember playing, and then, and then, of course, the stuff I wanted to play. There's no guitar teacher that was no willing to, way willing to, you know, or even knew how to play it. I mean, right. you know, these guys are playing, you know, guitars that are tuned funky, and you know, came from a Sears Roebuck catalog, and probably sat out in the rain or something. You know, they don't even sound, <laughs> they don't even sound like a guitar I could get at the shop, you know. And I, I remember thinking, well, I, I guess I'm kind of on my own in this one, and it was. You know, this was again before YouTube or anything, and I would sit there and just try to learn these finger picking patterns. And my dad would show me what he could, and but it, it was fun. It was a really fun journey, and um, but and I I just I just couldn't stop once I started. You know. Now, now you know, when when did your parents get divorced? Uh, I was you? I was uh, ten years old. Ten years yeah, old. Do 10, you think? Years old, yeah. Do you think in that split that it kept? There's a sense of playing 
that kind of kept your family grounded together? Yeah. You mean for, through music? Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Like as long as you played, maybe in your mind, that fear of that it was never going to be the same again was, was, you were able to kind of, um, um, Maybe like a sad calm, yeah. yeah, you calm that. I never, pain. I never thought about. I never thought about that. You know, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, I maybe you know maybe that was it. You know, maybe it was a, a salve that I was looking. I, you know, I think it was also a way for me to stay connected with my father. Quite frankly, you know, through through the music, you know, it was a way to have something in common with him. Yeah. Not that we didn't have anything in common, but I think you know, if I'm being honest about it, like as I think about it, as you raise this question, I really thought about it. But, you know, that probably was a big driver. You know, you're all, you know, we all want to, we all want to impress our parents or, you know, we want to, or, you know, part of us wants to, to beat them at something, too, quite frankly, whether For it's sure. a sport or, you know, show them like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, better. Are you, you kidding know, me? I remember the first time in like seventh grade where I actually like beat my dad <laughs> in a game of pickup basketball. And, and my Greatest dad, feeling ever, and my right? dad was the worst <laughs> athlete on the planet. So the fact that it took me to seventh grade is pathetic. It shows you how good I was at basketball. Right. But no, yeah. for me, it was for my old man, it was, you know, he's this brilliant attorney. Right, right. He has this mind that I don't assimilate to because I'm this jock. Right. And so I always yearned for that. And, right, and right. I, it was a big fear that I was never going to possess something that equated to that fatherly connection. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 No, I, I you know, now that you, now that you mentioned it, I, you know, like I say, if I'm sort of being honest with myself, I think you know, I, I didn't I didn't go and pick up the tuba. You know what I mean? I picked up the instrument my dad played and kind of took to a certain level but didn't really do anything, you know, with it. And then maybe I felt, you know, this driver to impress him. And also, like you said, but kind of beat him at basketball too. Like, so I'm like, hey, check out what I can do. You right. know, and I, I did. I kept going. Um, but I, I was self basically self-taught. He did get me some guitar lessons with a fantastic guy that, you know, gave me some basic Do you remember theory. his name? I do. His name is Doug Henning, I believe. Doug Henning. He was really like the cool. figure skater. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh no, that's that's wrong. That's Doug something else. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Doug Henning. Yeah, he was he was great. But you know, it was really, you know, he was willing to kind of uh, play the play the kind of obscure music, or at least try to show me some of the structure behind it and things like that. Right. And, and demystify it a little bit and say, hey, uh, here's he what's was. going on. Yeah. It, like you don't have you don't have to grow up on the in the Mississippi Delta to yeah, understand yeah. how to play this. And, and, right? I, and I was coming to the instrument pretty late, you know what I mean? I was starting in in high school really, you know, is when I really started playing you know in a more serious way or really trying to understand it. So it was uh you know, he was very very patient and also knew that um you know that I needed uh, someone that was kind of going to be on on my level, you know, that I'm it was interested in the same music. No, yeah. Technical, technical difficulties okay. here, but I'm, I'm going to get through it, I promise, and not be such <laughs> going a Going a little MacGyver here. Let me actually go direct and see what that does. You're losing your uh, ears? Yeah, it uh, just keeps going in and out on uh, me because these are like, these are like, I bought these in, uh, I think, Kuwait <laughs> on the way to Afghanistan. Went, oh, there we go. All right, I'm better now. Okay, much better. All right, I'm good. Sorry about that, dude. That's what happens when you buy cheap shit, right? You get frustrated. All right, I'm so sorry, everybody. Yeah, no. Sorry about that. All right, so you yeah. have you have this connection with your old man. Right. And, you know, did— did it did it continue in high school or or like most of us we become more detached from our our parents and our your art becomes a greater connection to your social scene right yeah 
Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about, um, you know, having a level of uncomfortableness with being an artist or expressing yourself that way. And I think particularly at that time and in a small kind of insulated school like we had, um, I remember feeling that way about music, quite frankly. I, All of I, it? Yeah, I wow. mean, I, I, was, I was afraid to play. Um, you know, I wasn't looking to play out or start a band or anything like that. And it was really, I was kind of forced to. Um, Even with like with Scott Pennell and Eric Persoff yeah, yeah, and all those yeah. guys, and was, I mean everybody was just. It was really a special time at St. Andrews, I thought, yeah, because was, so yeah. many guys were really good. Yeah, that's know? true. It's true. But I, I wasn't looking to. I was playing with um, Zach Bishop. Yeah. I don't know, was maybe oh, a year or yeah. two older, and he he was great because he was uh, you know he would play with me and he was interested in the same kind of music and he was always putting on these shows for the boarders. You know, like after dinner, the boarding school kids needed like entertainment. Yeah, so, they did. So, you know, Zach would like play some songs. And then one day he's like, hey, why don't you play with me? We'll we'll work out a song. And it was um, it was uh, Amy by Pure Perry League. And then it was Ripple by the Grateful Dead. And then we um, he would always sing the songs. And then one day. Isn't it crazy that you remember that so vividly? Yeah. No, like it was yesterday. I mean, it why was, so? I think it was just I think it was the magic of music, like making it with another human being, you know hit me you know it was like wow you know it was just the the fact that you could share something with somebody what's that feel like it's it's amazing you know i mean that's why people are are get addicted to playing you know right well i guess the rolling stones are still touring i saw them last friday how was that like they were having the time of their life you know and and was he uh, did he have a cane and a walker (laughs) and all that did he have better shape than we are could you see like his bump where his defibrillator is in you know jumping around it was raining my wife kept saying i think he's gonna slip i think he's gonna slip it was, it was pouring rain. It was right before the storm hit. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was pouring rain, and but it, but it is. It's an extraordinary feeling. I, and I remember uh, then I was goofing around singing harmony on on a Grateful Dead song "Ripple," and Zach looked at me and he goes, "Hey man, I think your voice is better than mine." He's like, "I I think you should be the one singing these songs." It I was is like, good. No, I was like, "No way, I'm not singing these songs in front of a bunch of boarders because a lot of them were older than yep, me." And yep. I was like, "You're trying to be cool." I was like, yeah. "I just kind of want to go into the radar." <laughs> some chords you know and have some fun and and then we were getting ready to play and he just announced everybody he's like jan's gonna sing this one tonight and i went oh my god you know and, and you he put me it. on the spot and i sang it and I was just that the never first time back. first time i ever sang in public yeah I sang. holy cow yeah. were you scared I was really you... scared yeah i was i was like you know just to hear you, you ever heard but probably the first time you heard your voice on your podcast or even oh, on the answer sucks. machine it still like, drives me nuts you know i had a... one of my my third <laughs> my third review on the tnq podcast was from a dude who wrote rutherford's voice makes me want to uh scrape out my brain out of my skull that's so that's what i got going for me and yeah, my that's voice. next yeah. level criticism that's ne- right yeah there. that's next level i love the internet i love the haters yeah, God right, bless them. Yeah. so you have this remarkable experience yes. you, you push through this fear of yeah. singing and was it was the effect immediate it was it really was um and i wasn't exactly sure you know, you don't really know how you sound, but I felt like I did a good job. You know, it was strange. Like, I, it felt very much more natural than I thought it was going to be. And, of course, the response was very good. You know, people uh, – and it was the response from people that didn't necessarily know me terribly well or, you know, didn't have any reason to be like, hey, man, that was awesome. You know, they were yeah, – I felt like it was a somewhat objective critique of, like, dang, that was pretty good, you know. And then I thought – And that's what we're looking for, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and especially when you especially try something. Especially at that age. Yeah especially, yeah, especially at that age. And I think after that, I – I just started, you know, wanting to sing more and I just got a, a confidence, you know, through 
through, through music. Through, you know, it was like kind of, it was like a, it was a small, you know, not to be overly dramatic, but it was kind of a, a trial by fire. Like, I'm putting you in front of these people. It's two seconds before we're about ready to go on, and I'm going to say you're singing the song. And it was one of those, you know, kind of a do or die, like in a small in the deep way, end. you know, and, yeah. when you're, and, and you're, you know, and you're 15 years old. And, and like you said, at that particular age where I wasn't, wasn't necessarily comfortable with performing, and I didn't think of myself that way. Uh, once it happened, I was like, you know, I just felt incredible. I just felt like an immediate connection. Would, would you say, because, you know, as you know, man, you've yeah. been around Frog Logic yeah. since the beginning. You know, fear is this major component yes. of what I try and explore within the human condition. And that at 15, we're all afraid. Yeah. I don't yeah. give a shit who you right, think right, you are. Right, even, right. even the captain of the football team yeah. or whatever, you know, the prom yeah. queen, whatever. Everybody's yeah. afraid. Yeah. Was... was it, when you look at the greater context of where you were at at 15, yeah. you know we're all searching for these self-confidence moments, yes. where these 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 benchmark moments, these pivots in, right, in our right. lives, where all of a sudden now you're like, whoa, I, my whole perspective just changed yeah. because I don't feel under assault in my own head all the time. Right, right, yeah. So was was where did you feel like that prior to that, or were you? Were you were you moving along pretty comfortably, and I, then this just catapulted? Yeah, you? I think I was. I never, I never really struggled with a, like a ton of self doubt. I don't believe, other than the normal, like, you know. I mean, I felt a little, you know, I felt a little out of place, like everybody, you know, and in particular, you know, at St. Andrews, where it was sort of a hyper wealthy, you know, uh. culture, and I, you know, I wasn't really one of those kids, you know, and so I, I, you know, I always felt a little bit like an outsider, which is also liberating, but I never. I never was like up at night worrying about fitting in all that much or anything like that. I always, I always was sort of comfortable, but I, I definitely got a level of, uh, like you say, confidence and sort of a self-definition in a way that I realized once I started performing uh, music that I felt, I just felt like a, a, you know, a piece of the puzzle was just put in place. You know, it was really almost like you know, scratching an itch or something. I know it sounds, you know, kind of cheesy, but it no, really, it really, it, it really does. It, fe- it, no. fe- it felt that way. And it, it's why I always encourage people, you know, I know you and I, we, I owe you a few guitar lessons, you know, uh, matter, you owe me <laughs> more than a few guitar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and with my children, I always encourage people to, you know, pursue art or music because I, I think that all of us as humans have this capability and you just got to be put in the right circumstances, you know? And so I, now I, you're getting into it, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and this is where all of this was leading for okay. sure is, is, you know, and, and, and just so everybody knows, Jan's also a very successful attorney, works for a, a very, is general counsel for a company called Bacchus Global. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about yeah, that yeah. in a moment. So it's not like you're, you, you've, you've, you're yearning for some other form of right. success in right. your life. You know, you've had this great, you know, academic career as right. well, too. And right. you, you, you now you're very successful right. as an attorney and, and as a father. But it's it's these pivotal moments that come to us through art. Yeah. And and what I always try and profess to people, whether I'm doing private coaching or I'm mentoring or whatever, right. is hey, have you have you explored this other this right, whole right. other universe to be able to assess yourself, right? Oh, that's interesting. Right? Because yeah. yeah. we really are, you know, you when you're not when you're not deeply involved in art in any particular yeah. way it's it, it is it's much like a lot of other components of life it's the fear of the unknown right 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 oh, i can i draw stick figures how many times right, did somebody's right, yeah. oh i i i can play chopsticks yeah, i mean right. if i hear that again you're gonna right. smash somebody in the face <laughs> yeah. right but yet 
you you everybody is moved by music right yeah most everybody can be moved by great art or architecture yeah. or being in a special place but yet we stay so we 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 stay so far away from we're so afraid to allow our minds and our experience to be captivated by the arts mm. why why do you think that is you know, I, I was just thinking back to the, the high school experience that you, I, I mean, and this could be a different, you know, different era, but I, I mean, I think that as, as males, as, as men, I think that a lot of times it is discouraged, you know, like you say, we are, we are brought up to, to, uh, you know, pursue sports, to be, be, you know, aggressive, be a little more macho. I mean, I, I think, you know, art, other than those, you know, special, you know, people that have a particular penchant and, and passion for it that pursue it at a young age. I think generally, you know, and I can't speak for today's age, but I know when we were younger, I felt like it wasn't really encouraged. You know, you were looked at as less of a, of a man or, you know, it was, it was really kind of a seen as a weakness almost. If you Absolutely. were, if you were the artsy kid, you know, that you, you couldn't be, you know, on the lacrosse team and also do the, you know, do the play. I remember I, I, I quit a musical called the Fantastics at St. Andrews because I felt, I felt like it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, I felt that I was going to be, you know, mocked or made did fun of. Did you get you know? ostracized for that? Do you remember? Did no, you, I, I did know. You it was all in my own head, I'm sure. You no, know? but I, that's the point. But, but that, that that's was. That's the point. Yeah, that I, you know, that I didn't, you know, in, in, I think it wasn't my type of artistic expression either, but I got the lead as this, as the character and I, you know, and I quit like after Mr. Parker probably still hates me because. Sorry, that. Mr. Parker. I know you hate me. Christmas concert, my sophomore year with Mark Andrews and Jeff Elmore. Oh, this doesn't sound good uh, at all. Yeah, it's horrible, dude. It was just so bad. It's that poor guy. Good. I mean, he had to deal with God, we were all assholes. I know. Complete, I know I know oh, such a good dude. I know. We got yeah. to send him a, a ham or something, turkey or something. Something. Yeah. something. <laughs> something. But, but Play him a song. Yeah, yeah he'd love I, that, Gosh, right? I should. I should write something right, Write a song for But I do part. owe him because in Scotsman, uh, he, he also told me that I could sing, you know, and wow. gave, me, uh, gave me a lot of confidence, quite frankly. And he said, uh, and I think he, he picked up on that. He said, I know you're, you know, you're afraid to, you know, you're afraid to sing. And I know that you don't, you know, you're not comfortable doing this, but you, I think you can sing and you have a good voice and I want you to, you know, do this. And, but, you know, I, at that time I didn't have the bandwidth to be able to, to step up and do both, you know, to be able to say, Hey, I'm a, I'm also a sports guy, but I'm also into musicals and things like that. Right. I wasn't really so much into musicals, but I, I was just, I think it's just discouraged, you know, quite frankly, particularly. I think it still is today. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, those, those, you know, the, you know, uh, however many millions of years of evolution, you yeah. know, in, in how we perceive each other in terms of our gender and all those things, it's 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 kind of built in. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of people that have proven through scientific mm. evaluation that, you know, there's a component of masculinity that is yeah. is, is is there. And and what I don't know, at some point along the way, you know, it, it, it moved into this this place of weakness, per se. Right. And, right. And and now it's it's nice because there there are so many avenues of expression you yeah. know, that I think it's coming back in a more profound way. And and the fact that, you know, the traditional negative aspects of masculinity are, are, are kind of being put in check. So. Right. Right. Yeah. But I you know that was but that was, uh, you know, that was it was always you know, looking back, it's kind of interesting that we were, you know, you, you were sort of underground in a way, you know, where you couldn't, you know, you were only showing certain people your paintings, you know, you weren't going to do that. No way. Like, you know, and, and I was, I was performing in a very limited venue until I, 
you know, kind of the dam broke or I was just like, you know, I don't know if I was like, oh, fuck it, I guess I can do this or something. When, you know? when was that? When was that? I moment? think it was really just after, you know, after I got tricked into singing, you know, for the borders, I think after that, then like, you know, Zach and I would play in chapel and then we played at homecoming yep. and then, um, and then I, you know, and then I started a band with Eric Persoff and, um, yeah, you know, and, and I, and then I, I had a band in college, you know, and I just, hold on, you're yeah. moving oh, real yeah, fast there, dude. <laughs> this is a podcast. We have all night all right, to talk, all right, right? right? Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So, you know, I think it's, it's for both of us, it, it, you know, art has always been a grounding source, yes. right. Yeah. To, to ground us in wherever we were in terms of our evaluation of our, of the self. Yes. That's what we do, right? Yeah. We need those avenues to, to, to almost, almost for me, it was to draw my identity for you. Okay. It was to play your identity, yeah. right? Within that, yeah. within that, within that, you, you get to separate yourself from, from the masses, right? Mm. All right. I'm in this group or that group right. or this group. But if you can have this form of expression really that comes from that deep rooted, soulful place of art right the the deep appreciation you know i i think it allows you to have this very unique uh perspective on the world right yeah yeah so what when at what point did you make the decision you know leaving saint andrews to move to saint lawrence like all right I need to actually do some adult stuff right i can't pursue this it's not realistic I'm going to go and I'm going to go to college and do the whole yeah. thing. But yet it, it trailed along with you, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I never, I don't know what I, you know, I, maybe I was too afraid. Maybe I still am too afraid, but I never, I never thought of uh, pursuing music commercially really, you know, never I, once. I, no, not really. I mean, I, I always, I, you know, and I always had this idea that I, I wish more people heard my music, not for my own purposes, but, but you know, sometimes you'll have a song that you love at some obscure, weird song. And I'm like, man, I like Bro. maybe one of my Motorcycle songs could be song. right, Holy right, Jesus. Right, right. You know, and I, I always think that uh, maybe something I wrote would resonate or connect with someone like I have, you know, maybe songs that I've heard from people that are. You know, maybe they're not particularly famous or anything, and they, but they mean so much to me. And, and not that my, you know, I'm not like being arrogant to God, but you just, you maybe there's a connection with something that I've said that somebody would would enjoy. So I, I, I think that I think I've 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 thought about that. I wish there was a way to kind of, you know, maybe if I I had you know some kind of commercial outlet where I could you know promote the music more. But but as a as a kid, I always. I always felt like um, I wanted to do something else. I didn't ever want to pursue music commercially. I never, huh. I think, you know, I think I always wanted, I was always sort of longing for a more traditional, you know, kind of Ozzy and Harriet type of existence, you know, really in my mind. I, that was because always Because of what you saw with your parents and all that? Maybe, yeah, maybe. And I, maybe it was partly that and just partly I, you know, I'm an only child and my folks were divorced and I always, I always wanted a family, you know, I always wanted you know, I always wanted like children. I always wanted to, what would it feel like to have brothers and sisters? You know, I mean, there, there's, there's a somewhat, you know, there's somewhat lonely quality of being an only child of divorced parents. And I was a latchkey kid and, you know, I'm not like telling a sob story. here, just the reality of it. But I think, I think that, that, that wires you a certain way that you want certain things out of your life. So I, I always, I never wanted to be like the starving artist or like the musician out on the road. You know, was I really, it too cliche or was it not going to provide you with enough confidence? I, I think or? I was just fearful of it. And I also, I think yeah. I was, I think I was fearful of, of not being, you know, the music not being accepted or not being appreciated or something, you know, the yeah. more, I, you know, I think that, I think there's that fear that, you know, you put it out there and, you know, 
people say, you know, Dave Rutherford's voice makes me want to scrape my skull. You know what I mean? Like, Brother, you know, I, but I, I, I felt that on every level. I remember yeah. my first big uh, painting class where you're doing four hour blocks uh, and all yeah. that. And I, I spent like 50 hours on this one painting called a home pregnancy test. And it was a basis of a friend of mine from college that had gone through some really hard stuff. Mm. And, and it was, it, you know, although she had not made the attempt, she, you know, there was, there was a, you know, suicidal inclinations had uh, prompted her in, in this depression she was uh, in. And, and I painted this picture of this girl in a tub wearing this, you know, big turtleneck, paint, uh, you know, uh, sweater, black sweater, black makeup, uh, kind of the high eyeliner in this really kind of mosaic tub. And she'd slit her wrist and it was uh, going, uh, the blood was pouring over the white porcelain uh, wow. and it really popped out. Yeah, and pretty heavy. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's what I am underneath. That's why I am. Um, and so, but I remember going in and being finished and getting, you know, literally emotionally castrated by my instructor. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was horrific yeah. because, you know, my brushwork was wrong. My, the way I, I didn't set up with a triangular configuration to move the eye appropriate in the uh, right way, yeah, the yeah. content, the, you know, the color coordinate, it, yeah. it was all horrible. Yeah. And, then, and then I was, you know, I looked at her and I said, you go, you know, of fuck course, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I walk out and, yeah. and that was my intro to for my, my really the the stopping point for me where it was like man I, this is not supposed to be like that your art shouldn't be like that i right, shouldn't have right, to yeah. feel that unfortunately yeah. in the real world yeah your art is evaluated at that right level. right particularly if you're, you're you're pursuing it for commercial purposes totally, you know where totally where it's got to translate to someone who's going to pay money for it you know yeah. and I, I think i always had that fear too that uh, you know, I just, I love, and also, you know, sound corny, but I loved it so much that I never, you know, I never really wanted to make a living out of it. You know, I just truly loved doing it. You know, I, w I almost kind of hated the idea that, yeah, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to go try to get people to buy this and I'd have to, you know, hustle. The business yeah, aspect. Yeah, just, you know, the, the kind of the, the reality of, of being a musician, you know, unless you... Unless you maybe strike gold with a good, you know, some yeah. good pop song or something one like that. One song, right? your one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and what's um, interesting is you had the integrity to know that, right? And that you wanted to keep this beautiful aspect of your life, really yeah. the grounding force of your life, yes. protected as you moved on in, in yeah. your development yeah. in pursuit of that Ozzy and Harriet dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th I've always had a, a pragmatism to me, you know, where, That's I, for sure. where I, you know, I try to always you know, and it, it doesn't always work, but I've always tried to be realistic about things, you know, and I, I just knew I loved music. I love playing it. I never want to stop playing it, but I don't necessarily want to make a living doing this, you know, and I just, yeah. and I, and it, you know, you could call it fear, you call it pragmatism or, but I, I did have this vision for my life that didn't really have me as a, as a touring musician or trying to do something like that. And, and, you know, not that I would have been good enough anyway, but right. I, did, I didn't even, I didn't even give it a shot. You yeah. Know? But I, well, hold I, on. Let's, let's talk <laughs> about your band at, at, at St. Oh, Lawrence. Yeah, Cause yeah. I mean, Jeff Doyle out there would say, <laughs> and Hall, he could have right. made, you know, he could have made $50 million off you, you know, I don't know about the Mark that, and the rest yeah, of them, right. but I, I think for sure. I think he's still got some CDs of Harzi's. Oh no, out. dude, I have one. He, when we first started working together, he gave That's me one of so, so tell me about that yeah. when you got to St. Lawrence, because it's not an easy school. Yeah, you're you're yeah. bogging down, but yet you yeah. did you did you seek out? 
I, I actually, your social life through music, or how'd you man, do that? Actually, how'd you make actually, that adjustment? I have, a, I have an incredible story about this. This is. Let I me mean, sit this, back this, and enjoy well, this. this. Is, Holy yeah, cow! This will. Um, I mean, I, I think you know because you know the characters involved, but but this is kind of this is kind of really cool. I so I'm thinking about going to St. Lawrence, and I go up and I visit, and I go up and visit uh, Brendan Quinn, yeah. who's attending there. And I'm not kidding. I go to a party at a fraternity in the basement, and I'm listening to the music they're playing. It's late nights, after hours. This is like after everybody's gone home, and they they have some secret kegs on tap. Yeah. And I'm listening to the music, man. And it is a tape that Eric Persoff and I made in high school of oh, Grateful Dead covers. My all God. And I'm not. And I I I grab the guys behind the bar. I'm like, Where did you get this tape? How do you have this? He's like, I don't know. We always listen to this. It's our late night kind of come down. Like, are you, know? you kidding and me? And I'm sitting there. I'm, I was like frantic. I'm like, I'm just going around all. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anybody there. And I'm like, man, where, who, who's, where did you get this tape? I, I this is, this That's is me. me. Yeah, That's and everybody's me. like, man, right whatever, there. man. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I, and it was this really, you know, strange, surreal moment. And then I finally kind of unearthed it that like. You know, um, somebody had you know traded. It had somehow traded its way through like kind of a indirect circle of people that I, you know, wasn't really connected to. But everybody loved this tape because it was it was all acoustic. It was just Eric and I were actually in my living room and we did like a we played like twenty Grateful Dead songs, but all stripped down. Yeah, and we arranged them. You know, and Eric was a, a genius. genius and a tragic you know tragic demise. Yeah, you know, and uh, and it was it was amazing. And once I I. I just heard that, and I sat there, you know, listening to this music. Can I, just I interject believe it. right yeah, now just yeah. to talk about Eric? Because I, yeah. I had a big discussion recently about him. Oh, really? And, yeah. And what? Why do you think? Uh, why do you think so many kids meet that fate? Why do you think so many kids get to the place where they make the wrong decisions yeah. and and it's, they're just troubled it's that you know i just i think a lot of it is your you know your biology at that age that indestructibility you know this the same you know that that feeling that you know nothing bad can happen to you yeah. you know you you just you know let's face it you're just you know you're so stupid in a lot of ways at that age no, that, you, you know are. all the risks i mean think about all the risks that you've taken and, uh, and, ridiculous you know and on a whole nother level yeah. I mean, you made kind of a career out of taking <laughs> risk and then you know i just i did a lot of stupid stuff that i'm just so lucky to be alive and, you know and eric just it, you know, his number came up, you know, anyone, you know, you or I could have yeah. been killed in high school with yep. the stupid drinking and driving and all the dumb things we did, you know, and he just, you know, he just drew that unlucky card, man. It was just such a tragedy. I mean, one of the probably, you know, the true, true genius that I, I've never met anybody no, like him. neither have I. Know, I've never and, met yeah. an actual, like, new, an actual artistic genius like you know, yeah, yeah i mean he was yeah. like a mozart level you know just next you know, level draw you know just jaw-droppingly you know talent plugged into something that i you know i couldn't even understand but he was always very supportive and encouraging me too he to, was to so gracious yeah. yeah yeah he was uh but yeah well, interesting chapter well, thanks, but yeah that thanks was for a, but so you're in this basement your song yeah. comes on you're yeah. like holy sweet baby yeah. jesus yeah. this is me is that the moment where you're like, all right, this is where I belong? Or was I, I it kind it of fortuitous, this it, it, thing it, it about was, it? You know, it was. It was kind of funny because I thought, man, these guys, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're listening to my, my music. This is so strange. You know, I'm, I'm obviously going to be. jam band. Yeah, yeah. like this. I'm, I could be at home at this place because, you know, it's very far away in upstate New York. And I just I just thought it was the coolest place ever. You know, it was just very beautiful. Um, you know, it's tucked away in the middle of the Adirondacks. It was just a cool. It was so different than South Florida. I was yeah. like. 
you know, man, I really want to be here or be a part of it. And it wasn't until I'd, I'd got there and, and met some guys, you know. Um, Let me ask yeah. you this. did Because I remember you always you talk a lot about those trips you'd go on with your dad and you'd yeah. be outside and in the woods and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And did it give you that kind of vibe? And y- Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it, it did. It was a it was, homeness to it. It was. It was, um, you know, you know, I just I just got my daughter off to college and, and I kept trying to tell her that you would. You, you'll have a feeling when you find the place. I, I was like, I know this sounds, you know, hokey, but I was like, you will get a vibe. Gee, nothing you know? sounds hokey, <laughs> you know? bro. So, when I say but, it, it but, sounds fucking hokey. But, when yeah. you say it, it sounds awesome, bro. Well, thank you. But, we, you know, we looked at like 10 schools. She's like, Dad, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. I said, it'll come, you know. And But then in my mind, I was like, maybe it's not. Maybe I just, I don't know. Maybe I was just <laughs> drinking some beer and I heard my tape and I thought this was the greatest place on earth. You know, I was like... <laughs> I have no idea, you know, and, uh, but she, yeah, but she did. She kept coming yeah. back to Tulane. She's like, you know, I did. I got a really, I just kind of felt vibey vibe, there, you know, and yeah. uh, I said, I know it sounds crazy, but that, you know, that can be a you know, good enough reason provided it, you know, meets whatever other standards you're looking for. Well, you know? it's crazy. You know, yeah. you go to a certain place and if you feel an acceptance, right, yeah, through that yeah. connectivity, and you yeah. call it the cosmic synergy yeah, of life, yeah. right, where energies meet up. Yeah. And you feel the feeling, right? Yeah, and yeah. and a lot of that is 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 particular about the type of team that you can be a part of, right? Yes, your social yes. scene, yes. and and how you your ability to be able to feel good in a place and then be able to relate to other people because you feel good, right? Right. And so that place was yeah. really it for you, yeah, right? Yeah, it did it. It had a it had you know really great connection just upon you know I did I got that kind of hokey vibey feeling and you know it looking back it, it probably was you know driven a lot by that you know feeling of hearing my music being played without me even attending there yet and i i just you know i just had a great you know was it just a great feeling about it that's cool man yeah. that's cool all right before we go on i just gotta interrupt yeah. real quick yes, and yes. do do my my public service and my, <laughs> i've got these wonderful beautiful sponsors in my life cool. um you know, one of the things, Jan, that I don't know if you feel, but, uh, you know, at, at 47, yeah. uh, I, I'm starting to forget some stuff. <laughs> now, I like to like to dream big about the fact that it, it most likely has to do with the fact that I'm 47 <laughs> and has nothing to do with all the blasts that I've been near, all the concussions <laughs> right. from football or all the fights I've been knocked out in. <laughs> I'm perfectly. I thought you were the one. You were the one knocking people. No, out. bro, that's a myth, dude. I I am not the tough guy out there. I was the drunk idiot who got knocked out from the soccer punch. That was me, hands that's down. Right. Absolutely, hands down. It changed a little bit different when I got in the teams. It yeah, kind of yeah, changed yeah. a little bit different. Your technique I lear- got a little. I better. learned how to fight a little bit, but but yeah, but before that, no. Well, anyway, so you know, it's so funny, man. I I you know I have a big fear about that. It's one yeah. of my biggest fears in my life that I deal with every day and and really kind of affects my confidence on a bunch of different levels is you know my brain and what's going to happen to it and right. and and one of the things that has been great is this wonderful relationship that I have with with on it uh and Aubrey Marcus uh the owner and CEO of of this great company called on it and what's nice is they they have this you know this cornerstone product called alpha brain which really affects your memory and focus and and I'll never forget, you know, I being in 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 Austin with them. I went over on this influencers thing. And they invited me to her just randomly, and and I remember they gave me this 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 gear this this ditty bag of all this swag stuff, yeah. and and Alpha Brain was in it, and yeah. I started taking it, 
And I had this wonderful alacrity kind of come over my synapses where I was able to stay focused and remain clear for extended periods of time. And so now it's really become this great product that I, I wake up in the morning, I I, 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 I kind of stagger into the bathroom to relieve myself. I drink my glass, half a glass of water. I get my alpha brain. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, this is where I, we are, man. I, I drop my CDB oil in, and, and that's how I start my day. And, and I really am able to have this. It, I mean, it's not a miracle drug. There's no such thing out there. But in terms of, of, of not having to take pharmaceuticals or any of the other things that a lot of people struggle with this, and, you know, uh, I, I, I found this, this great product in Alpha Brain, and, and uh, I just can't recommend it enough. If you're out there and you need just that little tweak, it's not going to turn you into Einstein. It's certainly not going to make you, you know, the, the, the next great uh, social media influencer whatsoever. But it's something that's going to just just tune it up a little bit. It's just that little, it's like going to 11, right? You're oh, on cool. 10, yeah. but it's like one more, 11. Yeah. It's one <laughs> more, all right? So, it, you know, don't take my word for it. You know, give it a shot. Go over to onnit.com. That's two N's, O-N-N-I-T. Go over to onnit.com. Go look at Alpha Brain. They've got these beautiful rundowns, a lot of medical testing. Aubrey's been incredibly thorough with the development of the product. Uh, Joe Rogan supports it. Uh, 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 Brennan Schaub on the fighter and the kid supports it. I know the guys over at Black Rifle Coffee are all about on it products themselves too. Uh, and that's why I stand behind it most, especially because it works. It helps me maintain my focus throughout the day. Uh, and, and really just gives me that little bit of tweak I need, uh, to wash through all the stress, all the other stuff that just can cloud your focus and, and memory and, uh, alpha brains the deal. So go check out on it.com. Tell them frog logic sent you, man, and, and, and enjoy the product. All right. The other one is, uh, wise food, man. Mm. Now we just went through hurricane Dorian, brother. Yeah, and, and and I know you were one hundred percent fully prepared, weren't you? <laughs> if that had been a what? cat five, you were yeah. one you were one hundred percent fully prepared, right? I knew strings on the guitar, and uh, that was about it. And about yeah, a, and a case of Budweiser, <laughs> right, right, right? 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 You or know, you're drinking you know the hard wife. cider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the my Bud wife. Light, yeah, yeah. Hard, uh, case of Bud Light. <laughs> oh, that's so gorgeous. Can we get them sponsoring this? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome, dude. Bud Light, if you're interested. We wouldn't be able to get her out of the, you know, no, the studio. No, she'd, she'd be the new grip that did all the filming and all that. I'd be like, Amy, you got it. No, this doesn't my work. wife under the bus. Right? right I, yeah, we love Amy, though. Uh, so, anyways, listen, um, this is no joke. I mean, I, I literally, going through that was petrifying. Yeah. Again, another monumental fear uh for my family for my friends for everybody that lived on the coast and and for anybody who's paying any attention and you're you've seen the photos of bahamas yeah. uh, and i really want you to stop for a second and, and just be grateful for what you have after you look at the complete devastation of the Bahamian Islands and what those people are going through, I have some amazing friends that are just involved in immediate airdrops and support, Blue Tide Marine, uh, some other great groups out there, uh, some friends of mine and the teams that are working to support. They're, they're in Zodiacs. They're over there right now. They're trying to bring aid and food to all these people. Um, there's a lot of great. So think about how you can support them. 
Um, in conjunction with all that, you know, my big thing was, man, I, I, I just really wanted to make sure my family was prepared. You know, after a life, an adult, my adult lifetime of being prepared for right. the worst possible situations, you know, I, I, I was able to discover Wise Company, which is a freeze-dried food company that uh, is really phenomenal. They're in, out of Utah, American-made, uh, American-run, this wonderful company. They provide, in my opinion, the best-tasting food in the freeze-dried market out there. Uh, they have one basic other competitor who's been in the market, but I, I, I take the Pepsi Challenge 24 hours, seven days a week <laughs> against them. Uh, they have great chefs that are making this food. But more importantly, when you when you go to Wise and you see their array of food, whether you get the buckets that have 124 servings or, you know, 75 or, you know, you do the, the one-month pack or you do the three-day pack or you do the six-month full-blown, oh, yeah. you know, you know EMP yeah. Holocaust stuff, right, <laughs> yeah, the true right. prepper thing. Man, this stuff will last. It's it's 25-year shelf life on much of it. Uh, it's got great taste. It's freeze-dried. It's portable. Uh, it stows. It stores really easily. Man, when this hurricane came, I went out. I got three buckets out. I saw those in the kitchen. You see yeah. that? I yeah. got. Th- they're still out, yeah. right? They're still out. I got three buckets out. They became a part of my my yeah. my pack, my evac pack, which we ended up mm. evacuating because when it turned into a Cat Five, I wasn't going to put the girls through yeah. that potentially. I took three buckets with me. I took all my firearms yeah. with me. I took a, a small bag of clothes and some water, and that was our evac plan yeah. because you just don't know. No. You, you don't know. And so being prepared is much more than, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hard dude. I, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be able to handle this yeah. and all that bullshit. Yeah. The reality is, is when pandemonium breaks out, there's no, there's no food, there's no water, there's no supply coming, there's no power, there's no transportation, uh, f- roads are destroyed, you know, power lines are down. Man, if you're not adequately prepared to support your family with enough food, you're going to face some some serious repercussions. Yeah. I mean, the, the type that 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 you can't come back from. Right. Um, and so that's why I'm I'm so proud. I'm so excited to be partnered with Wise Company. They're they're really an amazing organization. Uh, they do a lot of good. They provide a great product. Um, so go to wisefoodstorage.com. That's wisefoodstorage.com. Check out all the different types of products that you can buy there. Uh, if you if you choose to take a risk and just buy a bucket just to test it out, or they've got camping, they've got camping pouches oh, cool. for when you go hiking. They've got everything you can think about. You can go to Costco; it's available at Costco where you can see my ugly mug standing next to the platform thing oh, there. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh, um, you you and it's, you go check it out. And when you check out, put in the promo code FROGLOGIC. You'll get 25% off every purchase you have, no matter how big, 100% free shipping, all that. And you get a 90-day guaranteed money, full money back uh, if you're not happy with your product, all right? Um, I, I, I stand firmly by it. It's the product that I believe uh, that when I, I'm in that situation that I can take care of my family uh, is Wise Company. So wisefoodstorage.com, promo code FROGLOGIC, 25% off all you can think, everything you got there, no no worries whatsoever. Absolutely check it out uh, and tell them I sent you, man. All, all right. right. So St. Lawrence, brother. Yeah. You're there. You're yeah. in a band. You're yeah. in your third year. When does 
wanting to become a lawyer pop into your head, dude. That's crazy town. You know, I, because I, I was, I was from day one. I was like, <laughs> it was expected. Like I had to become some attorney. I had to go right, right. be in the office next to the old man, you yeah. know, and that was an expectation, right? Yeah. yeah. But it, that wasn't the case for you, was no, it? No, not at all. I mean, you know, I, there, you know, there'd probably been some people on the family tree or something that had been, you know, lawyers, but no, there was no, there was no expectation. You know, my, my parents weren't lawyers and they were educators and, you know, kind of you know, sort of chill people, you know, there wasn't the, you know, um, but I, you know, again, my, I, I'm thinking my, my practical side, even when I was a young kid, I think even in high school, I, I had to think about, you know, what I could do for a living, you know, because I, I was, I was terrible at math. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I liked science, but right. I, I wasn't particularly good at it. And I, but I always liked reading and writing and analysis. And, um, you know, I, I found I could read large chunks of things and sort of distill them or, you know, understand them. So I just, I just really, I just thought it was something I could do for a living, you know, like being a, you know, any other kind of trade or something. I just, I just found it to be where was there a person? Was there a time? No, was no, there a just, moment uh, where was, no, was like no. all of a sudden you're like, Oh Yeah. I'm going to be a lawyer no, and I'm going to kill it. No, it was really just, I just tried to take my skill, you know, whatever skill set I had. And I thought, what could I do to make a living? You know, really, it was that, it was that, uh, you know, for as romantic as my music career is, it was as dull as I needed to find something I could do for a living. And, and, um, that they, you could always was it more practical in terms of you could always support yourself you yeah, could always thought, yeah I just thought it was I thought it was just like one of those things that you know it was a good skill uh, and I, again I thought I had sort of the the you know the kind of predisposition to be able to do the things that involved you know law in my mind you know as a as a you know high school or college kid but they did have a good pre law society at St Lawrence and there was it was there was an older lawyer that kind of ran it and he would you know he would. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, internships or anything because we were up in the kind of middle of nowhere. But, right. you know, I, I was involved with the pre-law group. I, I had some idea, you know, what, you know, kind of what the profession entailed. And, and again, it was— Because, it was, listen, it was, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you, as I always <laughs> am. It's not like I'm going to see you in front of the Supreme Court arguing right. a, a, a Roe v. Roe v. Right, Wade right, yeah. case. Like, yeah. you're not going to jump into these— you know, these insane issues, although right, you could, right. there's no right, doubt yeah. because yeah. your, your, your approach, I think is much more what we need in the legal system than, <laughs> than the assholes that are out there. Right. Right. You know, right. Nowadays in, <laughs> in the litigious society we live right, in. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's not like I, I ever imagined you for right, this, yeah. this, this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this I, I preconceived I requirement to be in conflict right you know? right yeah no it's it's interesting I, a lot of people say that because they're like hey, you know you, you're the guitar guy you know Why, <laughs> what, what do you you know what do you you know what, what are you gonna do with a law degree you know but i i just I, again i just i felt like it was something i could do i did find it interesting you know i really i loved i loved law school you know i kind of did ge- you really ge- i geeked out on all the case studies i thought really it was, i thought it was great i thought it was like you know pretty fun um you know, Why? Really, How? I, How? I Why? Mean, you Explain know, that. Why? Nobody has ever. Nobody says that. I know. I've never it, heard most anybody people are like. Don't go to law school, or you know, it's it's, it's terrible. debilitating. Yeah. I hate it. You're no, reading it was, for thirty hours straight. That was great. I mean, especially like constitutional law. I mean, to watch. Well, you know, watch the evolution of of the cases that really defined you know our, our, our culture. Our, our culture. Um, and you know, in do the, you remember a case in particular that was one of those pivotal cases um, for you that made you made you just go whoa. 
This I, is the this is why I love the law. Yeah, I mean, I remember you know like the controversial cases always stick out. Like there was a case Korematsu, which was a case that that uh, that really was uh, upheld the internment camps for the Japanese during World War II. Yeah, and obviously that's a politically charged issue. And um, I just you know I remember that case because. Um, you know, there were there was it was obviously hotly hotly debated during during the, during class, and it was, you know, it was a lightning rod even in 1990. When was I in law school? 94. Right. You know, and, and we didn't. You know, this is all you know pre 9/11. Pre, you know, there was wasn't you know it's a different time. You know, 19 you know 1994. Um, uh, so, but I remember that case. I remember there was also there's this concept called the Commerce Clause, which was used as a pretext to basically for the federal government to regulate everything. And yeah. I remember it was like yeah. always a good answer, like on a test, like if one of the, the choices was like, how is the court able to do this? And it'd be like, See. you're like commerce clause, man. Like it was like our kind of go-to and, you know, so I, I just, it was just really, I just thought it was really interesting, you know, and I, I thought that. What it, was it? Cause a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, I, I come from a, 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 a nauseating family of lawyers. I mean, right, there, there's right, 17 yeah. lawyers in my family, right? <laughs> and, really? and my direct first uncle. You know, it's were, not too late, man. We can get you into law school. <laughs> Screw that, dude. <laughs> Screw that. I, the, the latest one is, is I'm, I, I'm, there's a bunch of people online saying, when are you going to go get a doctorate in psychology and all that? And I'm saying, <laughs> <can> never. <laughs> you got the doctorate in hard knocks. Yeah, knowledge. yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I've studied the human condition and in the human in condition. Real time, yeah, yeah, real time. Yeah. So there, a lot of people look at the law, at least I, I always did, my perception of law, although my dad yeah. wasn't a trial attorney, he was in estate planning. Yeah. But I always looked at it as it, it was this, this beautiful dissection of possibilities, right? Yeah, yeah that's that you that it, that yeah. you that the the person that's the most clever in mm -hmm. reassembling the possibilities to better advocate for their stance is 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 going to win, and there's a winner and a loser, yeah, right? That's a and that's what I it. love yeah. about that. It's there's yeah. by its nature, the legal system is about competition. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I and so but I always my my grandfather, my mom's father was a trial attorney for forever. Right. Yeah. And so there was always this sense of make an argument. Right. right That's what right. he would say to us. Yeah. Make an argument, but make it a good argument. Right. Right. And 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 but, you know, as as I watch my dad and run his firm, I realized there's a million different types of law. Right. Right. Yeah. When did that kind of open up for you and say, wow, I, I can do anything yeah. in here. I, I, my first, my first experience, you know, when I got out of law school was, was doing trial work, was doing, you know, partly because I, I had gotten an internship and I had gotten a job. Where at? Contingent. It was a, a law firm called O'Connor and Grace. They were in Boston and they were a break off, you know, like a lot of firms, they were kind of a break off from a large Why'd you firm. go to Boston? Uh, I went to Boston. I loved, I had my now wife, but my girlfriend in, in, uh, in college, you know, when she was my girlfriend, I, you know, I was, I was, Two thousand miles from home, so a lot of holiday you know, Thanksgiving. She'd always, you know, drag me to Boston, or not really drag me, but I spent a lot of time in Boston, and Beautiful I just, lo city, I just loved it? it. I just loved the city, and oh, I just, man. and I was, you know, I was at a time where the winters didn't bother me, but that that got old, you know, as I got older. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, I just, I just loved that city, and I just, you know, it was so kind of like, kind of like the, you know, St. Lawrence experience. You know, when I got to Boston, I was like, hey, this place is cool. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, it was a lot it's going on. It's a great on. little city. It is. It was like, you know, it had it had kind of everything, but it was very manageable in a way. You yeah. know, you feel feel very safe there. And yeah. I, I just I just had a great feeling there. So I 
you know, I, I liked living there and I liked practicing law there, but I, you know, I did initially do uh, trial work. You know, I was. What's that and, like? Because, you know, now that you've, you know, you've worked through this practicality of, of, of really figuring out what you want to do. You had the confidence to go for it. Right. You, you had a good group. You had Amy. You had yeah. some of these close friends, right, the, the right. band yeah, that met, were around yeah. you, Jeff, and all these yeah. really great people that were supportive. Yeah, you had a great yeah. team. And now yeah. all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to pick this purpose, right? Yes, and, yeah. and law is going to be my purpose. Yeah. And was was that a nerve-wracking thing then to say – Man, I'm I'm really gonna dive in, and I'm not just gonna dive in in some podunk town in Whereversville, right? right, right. But That's I'm gonna true. go to Boston. I, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Boston, right? And I'm gonna be a like their, trial their constitution attorney. predates our U.S. Constitution, I mean, brother. <laughs> my favorite place in this country, hands down, is the North Bridge. Yeah, man, by yeah, far. You can still feel it there. You know. Oh really, my God! Yeah. If you listen quietly, yeah. man, you hear that first shot ring yeah, out. Yeah, you dude. really can. It's yeah. yeah. Yeah, I you know it, it was it was you know a lot of it again was driven by um, you know I did have this ideal um, you know I started doing the a lot of the the kind of trial stuff or doing hearings and things like that right out of law school a lot of it was you know I needed I needed a job I had bills to pay and it, again it was one of those things I thought I could I thought I could be do pretty well you know I was I was okay I was pretty good on my feet you know I could you know as you said make the argument you know one of the biggest things I learned though it was funny. Uh, as a young lawyer, um, and this is you know true for a lot of things in life, is that I would go into a hearing, say we had an issue on you know whether to admit this piece of evidence in the overall trial, and they would give me a small portion of the trial to handle, which yeah, was like yeah. a preliminary hearing, right? You know, and I remember you were an prep- FNG, you know, and so they're like, all right, here, meet, take this <laughs> were, little that's, piece. That's yeah. that's exactly right, and and I found they also would send me sometimes on cases that were controversial uh, because I was young. And they thought I could garner some, you know, not necessarily sympathy, but sort of a human connection with the judge. I had had one case involved a, a young girl that was uh, allegedly raped at the at a at a hotel. And oh my! She had, she had filed a um, basically a series of, of claims against the hotel, and I had to go and do one of the hearings. I actually had to like examine her, cross examine her, and you know, and I was. You know, you but, represented but, the hotel. Represent the oh, hotel. Oh wow! Yeah. Did that hurt? Yeah, we. You know. It was it was interesting. That's when you that's when you really become very focused on the facts and the evidence of a case because there was as much evidence that this didn't happen as there was that it did happen. You know, and so you really just have to kind of pick, you know it sounds like a you know typical lawyer cop out or whatever. But you, I don't think you, there's you pick, such a thing. Pick, I mean, you, after you your, 47 years of living with a lawyer, right, I, don't, right. I don't I don't think that yeah, way. You know, yeah. I mean, there are you know we we've seen it now. We live in this crazy age where you're right, you're right. condemned before any yeah. evidence is ever even presented just on hearsay or or someone's post on instagram right right and so the due process i mean the, the one thing that just is outlandish to me are these red flag laws that are popping up yeah. or people being condemned for hate speech when, right right because it makes people feel uncomfortable or yeah. it's just it, where i think you know never before have our are these core foundations of due process been under attack yeah. like they are now? Yeah. And um, so you're sitting there and you're realizing that you're living in this system that really yeah. is the governing body of society. Was yeah. that was that an ominous to you? It, well, it was. I mean, I think you always appreciate it, you know, as a lawyer. Quite frankly, I think I think people do. You know, there is a lot of ceremony that goes into uh, becoming poppins. a lawyer. Yeah. You know, where you're you're sworn in, you take these oaths, and you know, and a portion of the bar exam has an ethics commission. I mean, it. You know, if it's done right, you know the 
there there are a lot of uh, really great work. things about you know practicing law and um you know i think the the gravity i think most people that that do you know pass the bar and become lawyers i think you do feel the sense of responsibility in it to to the law you know you're part of the judicial branch they tell you they said hey man you're no different you're part of a, a piece of our government now you yeah know? and you're legitimately you, know, you can't yeah. you can't be an asshole all the no. time you know like i mean you know of course that gets broken but i mean there is this there is this feeling you know they do a <laughs> they do a good job of sort of imparting this on you like look you you represent something bigger than yourself just a guy you know like you're you're did you feel that way i did yeah i really did i did too i remember i, too. I remember i took two oaths right i, I took yeah. the oath of 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 joining the navy, right? right? Yeah. Promised to protect and defend the constitution yeah. against foreign and domestic. You know, I mean that's yeah. heavy. Like I'm right, like, right. holy shit! Right. I'm this burnout hippie. You know, <laughs> drop college dropout, taking this oath. Like, right. whoa, this is big, right? Yeah, yeah. And then my next one was when I became a corpsman and a medic. You know, the combat oh, yeah. medic. I took the Hippocratic oath. Oh, that's right. Of, yeah. I shall not induce greater harm to my yeah. patient. All, all. I mean, really heavy yeah, stuff. Right. And and as a you know, as a as a component of purpose, I think one big challenge we face in life is that we don't have enough oaths. Right. Right. They're, yeah. they're not enough oaths. We we yeah. we randomly select the oaths that we want to attach ourselves to morally. <laughs> right. And and that 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 alleviates ourselves from being held to some grander sense of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did, is that what you appreciated so much about? what you were getting into? I, I did. I mean, that was that was definitely a component to it. You know, I think there is a sort of a romance, you know, to, yeah. to this, you know, wow, I'm, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be doing something. You're going to do though, Abe Lincoln shit. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, like you say, I wasn't I wasn't looking to do, you know, I wasn't somebody that was like, all right, I'm going to work for this nonprofit and I'm going to, you know, do this, that, and the other. I mean, I, I, again, I was, I was a pragmatist, you know, I wanted a job, you know, I need, I had bills to pay, I had student loans to pay. Like, you know, I was, I was looking at this as a job, but there was also this component to it, you know, where I did feel like I was involved in something, you know, bigger than myself. I was involved with a profession, you know, that, that had some kind of significance and that I, and consequence, consequence. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you always have that hanging over your head too. You know, you'd make something, you know, if you, if you make a mistake in a regular job, you know, you just get yelled at. If you make a mistake as a lawyer, you get, you get, you know, bar sanctions and malpractice, you know, there's always, or you send someone yeah. to jail. Right. 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 Oh, I yeah. mean, I remember we yeah. had, we had this uh, guy on TNQ podcast. His name is Kwame Anjanu and he was sent to death row on the the coerced um, the coerced uh, statement testimony from a 12 year old boy by the the Philadelphia police yeah. and was incarcerated for 27 years of his life oh Un, and he was innocent yeah. and his brother and his brother's best friend did 35 years oh right God. and and so you nobody understands the significance of the judicial system right, until right. you're entrenched in it. Right, right. <laughs> can you tell us, can you explain to the audience what what about taking somebody into that, right? Leading somebody into, you know, first being contacted, being given a case or taking a case. Yeah. Putting, having them put their trust, their fears literally, yeah. you know, spilling them into the the trust within you and the confidence in you that you are their ultimate teammate you're the person right. that's wow, going to get through them yeah. them through this this ultimate 
this ultimate challenge, this this combat yeah, of life, right, where the negative yeah. insurgency is pounding the yeah. shit out of them, right, right, and they need you to get them out. Yeah, can you describe what that feels like? Yeah, you know, I, you know, that's a that's an interesting way to describe it. That there are these profound consequences, whether it's you know, obviously the the highest end of the spectrum is the you know human life component that you just talked about, a criminal. But even, you know, if you're representing a small businessman, you know, and he's got all his money, you know, tied up in this case, you know, I mean, this is his life that, that you know, he's expecting you to help, like you say, get him through this and help him, you know, help him either recover the money or defend him against somebody that's trying to come after him. And, you know, it is a, um, it is a very uh, significant oh, dude, feeling. Dude, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to cut you off. I don't yeah, want to come yeah. back to it, but I, yeah. it just popped in my head. So the yeah. other day. Uh, I'm on chive.com and they presented this article about the Japanese artist that got ripped off on the Lion King. Oh, really? And it took me back to the Madagascar case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and literally, I remember you showing me, you know, those, the drawings next to each other and they were the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. And and I just, you know, you're like, wow, why? How is it possible that the judicial system can be so unfair? Yeah, you know? yeah. But but please continue yeah, on no. on this process of 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 what it's like to to hold a person's confidence in the legal system, yeah. which is is very much like holding a person's confidence on the battlefield. Right. Yeah, yeah. The consequences are severe. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I think that um, you know the the stakes to the person that you're representing are always very high like i say whether it's you know it's a criminal matter or business um you know one of the one of the realities uh, that i'm sure you know before you were deployed and you're doing your your debriefing or you know where you're you're getting your instructions is a reality that you know that you have to tell your client just like i'm sure your you know your superiors told you that hey there's you know things can go wrong there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of there's a you know maybe you know maybe that guy next to you or maybe you are not going to make it through this and it's your responsibility to look out for each other and there's you know, it's not as dramatic as that, but you do have to be honest with people and say, hey, look, you know, this happened to you. It's an injustice. We're going to try to put it into this little script and these players that we have, which is our judicial system. We're going to we're going to do what we can. And we're, you know, we're putting our best arguments in there. But there is always this risk of this could all go to hell or this is not going to work out the way you think. People are not going to, you know, maybe they don't not going to believe you. Maybe the judge isn't going to give a damn. You know, maybe they don't. Yeah. And you, do you have remember to be the first time that happened to you? I, you know, I, I, you know, what I remember, I remember my first hearing wasn't wasn't so much. Um, I, I learned where where things can go very very wrong in in very quickly. I did a hearing and I had, it was early in my career, and I had spent you know, probably, you know, way, way too long that night staying up late going over what I thought the main, you know, what the real issue was. And I, you know, I prepared for really the kind of the meat and potatoes of the case. And I had studied every case law and, you know, I had filed briefs in advance and I show up to the hearing and I'm, I'm loaded for bear, man. Like I've, I've read everything. I know it inside out. I got highlighters. I'm just like, come on. You know? Like I'm just, I'm so excited. You know, yeah, like, I'm going to, I'm like 23 this. years old, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, I've, I know this literally better than anybody. And then I get in there and the judge asked me some tangential, like bullshit, like question about something that had very little to do with the case. Like, well, why didn't he call him back when he, and I was like, what? You know? And I'm like, totally flustered. I got all my cases. I'm like, you want to go through the case? Like, I I read those. I I understand those. And it was, it was immediately, I had to pivot (laughs) to start addressing 
some tangential thing, but but the judge didn't think it was tangential. And I learned very quickly that, you know, there's you have to be able to know the human all component. aspects. Yeah, that he thought that there's some stupid thing that happened that that's yeah. all. And it was in the facts. It wasn't really in the case law. Like I knew the law better than anybody. But he was like, what? What? Why didn't this happen? I was like, oh man, you know. And I and I just I really realized there that one, you got to be prepared for anything, and two, something that may seem significant to you really may mean nothing to the judge and yeah. they could be they could be much more focused on something else so it was you know i learned that that man you really you've got to know the file backwards and forwards and also you know don't just know the law that they may get they you know and, and maybe assume that if you get a smart judge he is going to read all your stuff maybe be already on the same page with you and you're not there to re-talk about the cases that he's already right read. you know whereas i was approaching it more like a law school kid where i'd read all the cases and i i knew like how yeah, i could explain yeah. it but yeah. that wasn't what he was interested in no. you know and it was you know he's kind of like life right it, right yeah right, you got to be prepared for the the, the pivot yeah and it, you know and, and you know you you made a living doing that too you know i mean every every op is is probably not going to go the way never you one. Screw it up never really, one never one never you know, one for never real. one yeah. yeah and i and you know I, by far I'm, I'm not the guys out there that have you know like rob that you know 450 plus combat missions right. <laughs> certain dudes over at damn next 600 missions yeah you know i i mean i'm but I've done enough to kind of, you know, have a taste that, you know, yeah. Murphy's real. Yeah, yeah. And and he, and he enjoys, <laughs> really enjoys struggle. your misery, right? He he's like yeah. he's like a first teamer for the negative insurgency, <laughs> right? Like he was one of the founding members. He's right. in the original platoon, and 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 yeah. it's tough, man. Yeah. It's tough to fail on on that yeah. stage, especially. The client when, was uh, the client was in the courtroom, by the way. On yeah. That one, so I was like, man, I better. Better come up with something yeah. here. So it was that feeling of, man, this guy's got his trust in 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 what I'm going to say here today, and he's here. He took off work. You know, he wanted to hear what was going to happen, and now, you know, this guy just basically pants me in front of a. You know, there's there's yeah. other people in the courtroom because everybody's doing their yeah. hearings. You know, so there's yeah. there. You know, you're kind of in a cattle call, and the clients there, and and you know, I was I was lucky. I was able to. You know, I can't say it was the most, uh, you know, Clarence Darrow Perry, moment, right? but yeah. I, but I was, I didn't, I didn't totally shut down, and I, and I OB. was able to. I was like, okay, okay, uh, I, I take it you've read all the cases, you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, so I just wanted to like give yourself you know, some like, pray. All right, that, why he didn't call? You know? and, and I, yeah, and <laughs> right. so I was able to, yeah, kind of pivot, and like I say, it probably wasn't great, but I didn't embarrass myself. The client. Didn't even really know that I, you know, that I was overprepared for one aspect and yeah. underprepared for this. You know, we kind of, we kind of walked out with a quote unquote victory. I remember because I remember being like, wow, you know, I can't believe, you know, that I think that basically the judge like he deferred ruling, but then he ended up issuing an order in our favor. But it was, you know, it was definitely scary. But it was, uh, it was a big moment because I knew then that, hey man, you never really know what's going to happen. Right. There, so you got to be prepared for everything and also be prepared to be able to ad lib yeah know, and do a little yeah little dance if you oh, have to for sure know, so. that art that yeah, creativity right, right. right? True, and yeah. that's what comes back to it yeah. you know that you're always there's always a requirement in life for creativity you know most yeah. especially you know when you do discover purpose right because if you if you remain in this rigid state and you remain in in the confines of the case law or you remain in the confines of the tactics yeah. You miss the beauty of 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 you know that true freedom that's expressed in in great creativity, yeah, right? That's and that's true. what I thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's what art does for us. Yeah. That's what music does for us. It allows us to feel the 
that's why I love jazz as much as yeah. I do. You know, I, it's so funny. I, yeah. I destroy the girls with it. And, <laughs> you know, just the other day, I did Miles, big documentary coming out on Miles Davis. Oh, cool. Just beautiful. And, and you know, I put him on and they're like, turn it off. And, you know, and the seed the other day was like, you know, can't we listen to something that has that has <laughs> lyrics to it, you know, that has singing? And I'm like, no, this is jazz, man. It's, <laughs> it's free flowing. It's exciting. It's just, it's just, they're just playing and they're like, <laughs> you know they're giving that dead stare and yeah. i'm like all right um wait i heard wait i, I didn't i heard a funny jazz joke with the other actually it's not yeah, that funny here it. it was on the i think it was on the simpsons but they said uh oh we got to go to this place they've ca- they've taught this chimpanzee how to play trumpet and uh homer's like well, was he any good and the, the guy goes i don't know he only plays jazz <laughs> Totally, dude. That's totally, man. And anybody can play jazz. That's so awesome, man. You tell that to a jazz musician. Yeah, I know. Okay. I, know. I had the incredible opportunity. I, I, I did. I, you know, I working with the Red Sox. I got to meet Tony Larusa and be oh, kind of yeah. friends with him. And, and he does this. He has this wonderful um, um, uh, pet. Um, they save stray dogs oh, out okay. in out in Oakland area. I mean, big facilities, uh, unbelievable. And anyways, he puts on this big event every year. And I I got to meet Christian Br- McBride, who's oh yeah, a world class yeah, stand up yeah. bass player. And and uh, man, I, we started talking jazz yeah. at dinner the night before. And and I you know I pretty not well read, but I, yeah. I know enough to t- talk about it. And he's like, man, are you talking jazz to me right now? <laughs> and he's got his hat on the side. And he's like, are you talking jazz to me right now? And I was like, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what we're doing. And, and the dude had played with everybody. Uh, you name it. He played with every person that you'd uh, ever imagine that was alive uh, in his lifetime to play. He'd uh, played with them. I mean, he's a seven-time Grammy award-winning yeah. you know, jazz musician. And and the way he, it was interesting, the way he described it is it's freedom. Mm. Wow, there's a yeah. freedom to it. Yeah. And, and I think there's always, in anything that you find purpose in, you, you need to have a freedom in it. Yeah. And, 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 I, and the one thing I want to now ask you about is, you know, you, you had had this practicality, but yet you had rooted in this beautiful evaluation of, of music and art, right? Yeah. Through your whole life. And it always kept, kept you rooted in that cosmic synergy yeah. I, we, we laugh about. And, yeah. and, and now you discovered this great purpose in the law. Yes. Um, but you'd, you, you'd mentioned this, this desire for the Ozzy and Harriet moment. Yeah. And so as you, you round this corner and you decide to move back down to Florida yeah. to be near mom, I yeah. assume. Yeah. And, and and to get out of the cold, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, and then it was the moment like with you and Amy, let's have a family. Yeah. And you have these three beautiful children. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and and I can't even tell you um some of the greatest uh inf- the, some of the greatest influence I've ever had as a father comes from you. Oh, thank you. And and I just love, you know, even on July fourth the other night, you just gave me oh and then the other night too you gave me this, this beautiful advice and i'm going to share it with everybody if you don't mind no, I, and i remember telling you about the struggle of, of of what you do and when you're frustrated and you don't and you're all jacked up and you don't know what's going on oh, you, yeah, your yeah. fears are overwhelming yeah. your confidence is shot you don't know what to do yeah and you and you told this beautiful <laughs> story about your your father yeah and you told this story that he told you and he said you know jan when you get into trouble and you don't know what to do, just love more. Yeah. And that's one of the most profound things I've ever heard in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. And 
I was hoping that you could talk about that as it relates to your, I don't want to call it style, but your purpose in parenting. Can you uh, talk about that? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back and I just remember, um, <laughs> I remember we, uh, we did kind of everything wrong as parents, apparently, like, <laughs> like when they, when they were babies and, and like, I remember that, especially the older generation always yelling at Amy and I, cause we, every time, you know, my first daughter, uh, Grace, was, you know, every time she made a peep, we picked her up. We let her sleep in the same, same bed. Amy nursed her till she was like two and some change. I mean, she, I think she just nursed my son. He was, you know, he even made up a song about nursing. That's how bad, but so we, we, you know, it was, I guess, you know, we, we kind of coddled them or, you know, we're not coddled them, but we, you know, we were definitely on the side of, you know, we never, you know, we were definitely indulging them more than most parents and particularly our parents, the older generation was like, I, I left you in the crib and, you know, with a, with a stick. And then I came back four <laughs> hours later. And yeah, you and yeah. yeah. You know, and it's amazing how people, you know, reimagine their own parenting. You know, I heard stuff from my, and change yeah, from my parents. I was like, we never did that or, you know, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the things you learn as a, as a, as a you yeah. know, part of being a good parent is like, you know, being able to tune out all the other quote unquote good parents that give you, but you know, I just we just found that it always worked whenever we whenever we gave into our hearts and just loved them, everything was always better, you know, and it was always everything just was better when we when we embraced what our what we thought our hearts were telling us, you know, that hey, she wants you know, Grace wants to sleep in our bed, lay on our chest, like let's just let her do it. Who cares? You know, like yeah. uh, um, you know, we wanna um you know, we what we feels wanna, right. Yeah, we just kind of, you know, we just we did we did things that, like I said, that maybe we're overindulgent or. Um, it's called the rhythm of love. Yeah, it was just we just went with how we felt, really, you know, and it was, um, and I just I still haven't gone wrong that way, you know, even when they're, uh, even when they're, you know, maybe they're uh, insular acting up or things aren't, you know, at matching up. I just I just know I've never gone wrong by saying. Or, or, you know, and sometimes it's not always saying, it's just being like, you know, there and just letting them know how much they're loved and that, you know, the, you know, you're as parents, you know, I, I've just, I've just sort of evolved. I think our job is less disciplining them other than showing them the right way to be and to, and to just love them. I mean, it sounds corny, but it's, you know, I just found that it just didn't, you know, it didn't work. Not that we went through like a heavy disciplinary period with any of them, but it just didn't feel right for us. You know, we weren't big on kind of structure and like, you know, kind of top down command. You know, we just yeah. we just realized that they're they're not dogs and they're not people you work with. These are very interesting, fragile, developmental beings that are that that were that were you know sort of honored to have with us. And you know, sometimes yeah, sometimes you just maybe just shut your mouth a little bit, you know, and just kind of let them be and try to just live by example. And, you know, and again, there's, there's a lot of things we've, we've done wrong. You know, there's, man, I watched this, I watched this old video. I know not to get off track, but I watched No, that. there's no such uh, there thing is, as off track with us. I, I also realize that like each kid is so different too. You know, parents out there know this, they're all so different. And I, I watched this video and I still regret it to this day. It, you know, and they, they, we make fun of it now, but it really actually, it actually really breaks my heart to watch, but we, I was videoing, uh, my, my daughters and my son and my daughter, my oldest daughter, Grace was probably five, Katie's three, you know, Chris is probably one and some change and they're all together. And Grace had just gotten a violin and she's playing her violin and she's showing me how she's learned a little song and she puts it down and her sister picks it up and Katie just starts banging on it. And, 
Grace gets very upset. And and I say, no, let your sister play. Let your sister play. You got to learn to share. And Grace, I literally watch her kind of crumble on camera, you know, and I realize now watching that, it actually, it hurts me to this day. And it sounds so silly. It was such a little thing. But I realized that that wasn't the right way. This was something so sacred to Grace that she'd worked so hard on. And just to let her sister kind of like bang on this violin. Right. You know, I realized that that wasn't the right thing for Grace. Like, I could do that with Chris. You know, it would have been a better life lesson. I wasn't factoring in how Grace's personality is, is what I'm saying. You know, I wasn't, I was doing kind of a one-size-fits-all, like, you got to teach your kids to share, you know? And I was, but that wasn't the place to do it. This was something special that she had worked on. This, This violin was sacred to her, you know? And the fact that I just let her sister knock it around. You know, really, I mean, you watch the video, it's it's hard to watch, you know, because right. I watch her spirit just get broken. And I, I look at that, I'm like, damn it. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing as a dad. I thought I was, you know, teach them to share, teach them to, you know, interact with their sister and, and that this is something they can do together. But I, you know, I fucked up, you know, because I watched <laughs> it and I was like, that wasn't the, that wasn't how I should be treating Grace. Like, Grace is a different being than, than maybe I, sh- I could have done that with Chris or something, but... I didn't do it right there. You know, I, I just, and it haunts me. And I wonder how many other moments like that that aren't on video where maybe I made bad choices or I thought I was doing the right thing. And that's part of being a parent. You know, we're just, we're kind of all bumbling through this together. But I, I just, I realize, and I always tell new parents this, that, that there's, there's not a one size fits all, you know, when you're, when you're educating your children and trying to, trying to show them the right way or discipline them or whatever it is. Like you've got to, you got to customize your your discipline, For your life kid, lesson. That, right? You know that yeah. we're we're kind of taught to be like you know we have these like maxims like sharing is good and you know which is true, but you know you got to watch how you dole these out and how they're administered. You know, and I, I tell parents that now that like, hey, just be mindful of of the of the being. You know what you know, you're going to have to customize your parenting for each of you, particularly you have multiple kids. And I know you got oh, a lot going on. So God it's like, Almighty. you know, there's, there's a different handbook is what I'm trying to say for, for each, each one child. of these and for each situation. And it's a, it's a handbook that's writing in real time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, and I, I watch that and it, it sounds so funny, but it's like, I watch that and it's, it's hard for me to watch. Like I can't, cause I'm watching myself do something wrong as a parent. It's a very minor thing. You know, people would probably fast forward by it. But I'm watching, I can see what's happening to Grace on the film, and it is tough to watch, you know? And I just like, oh, man, I really fucked that up. You know, I should have I should have been like, Katie, this is Grace's, and why don't you come over here and play with this guitar? Instead, I just kind of let him fight yeah. it out. I was trying to teach him to share, but it just, it was the wrong approach for this particular child, you know, yeah. very sensitive, you know, different type of kid. And, and so I, you know, I, so it's, it's the love, the love too much. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I hope I was more a practitioner of it than, than I wasn't, you know, but I, I definitely made mistakes. And, but like I said, the one thing I did, I did find, and I still kind of feel that way, particularly now I got three teenagers, is that, you know, you're really just letting them know how much they're loved in, in a true love, not just like a love you greeting card way, but like, you know, I, I'd kill or die for you. And you know that, right? You know, you know that whatever you do is not wrong, you know, as far as our relationship, you know, you need to be able to know that that I am, I am the ultimate jump on the grenade for your person in this world. You know, that's, that's it. You know, we don't, we don't even need to know anything more about it, that that's just, that's the level of what we're dealing with. You know, that's how much I love you, you know, just having that, you know, kind of, you know, trying to live by that and just show them, you know, like, um, 
and like Katie, you know, got in a minor car accident the other day, and she was so upset. You know, she thought it was her fault, and I just was like, Katie, this is, this is nothing. This is ridiculous. You know, but just instead of like, you know, I know oh some people God. would have yelled at her and be like, why didn't you back up? And when you looked, and didn't you use the rearview camera? Yeah. I just said, Katie, this is a joke. Your mom hit shit all the time. You oh, know, we like, were we <laughs> left the office yesterday after cleaning up, and we're driving down, and just there was this horrible accident that just happened right in front of us. So I jumped out, ran over, and oh, really? started assessing and directing people to do stuff and and this woman was just you know she was trash her clavicle was destroyed her shoulder was dislocated her neck was jacked up but the car was dripping fuel and smoking so i had to move her which caused her incredible amount of pain and and you know the other two people in the accident they were one guy thought he was having a heart attack the other woman had glass all through her hands and her face and and you know you well granted Booger Tone they're there fast yeah, we, yeah. we live in a really blessed yeah, I mean true. all yeah. around America there's very yeah. few places yeah. that your, your response time is, yeah. is, is horrible but um, but it just made you go man yeah. I, I'm so blessed with what I have and we're yeah. all safe and coming through the hurricane we're so blessed with yeah. what we have everybody's safe these children are so yeah. blessed with who they are and, and I just want to keep them safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you look now and you look to the future, and, and I know as, as your children are transitioning, you know, mm-hmm. Gracie just went off to college and Katie's moving on and Chris too. Is your, is your way you look at your purpose as a father, is it changed? Is it evolving? Or, or is it still rooted in the same kind of creative... Um, cosmic synergy that it's always been i think it's you know it's it's funny it 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 feels like it stays the same you know i mean i feel like i i still feel this tremendous like sense of duty and purpose you know even though my daughter's at college but i feel like you know now i'm more of of an advisor you know last night she was you know doing some literature homework and she was cool enough to call me and bounce some ideas off of me so i just you know your role changes you know my other two are, are teens and they're you know high school and um, you know, there, there's a lot of things I miss about those, you know, kind of salad days that you're in right now with them just climb, yeah. climbing on you and going, you know, hey, we're going to the beach and everybody gets in the car and goes. Now it's like, you know, you know, trying to orchestrate somebody to do something with you. It gets harder and harder the older they get. But but there's another cool chapter. You know, I'm just I'm saying there's hope, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there's this other cool chapter where they're they're becoming adults and your your role is more advisory. Maybe the example driven life is even more important now to show them. Um, you know, because now maybe it's resonating a little bit more, you know, like, hey, my dad does this and, my, you know, my dad and my mom does this. And, you know, I think I think your your responsibility doesn't doesn't change. In fact, it may even ratchet up more, you know, because now they're they're you know, you've gotten through, you know, being, a, you know, I remember just being wor- like you worried. That I, I just want to be alive, man. Yeah. Please, God, just like and when I wake up in the morning, please let that baby be alive in yeah, the crib. Man. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, that that feeling and now it's a whole, you know, it's a whole different set of bargains you make you know when your daughter's in college but you know your your role changes but i think it's still you know it's still that the all the instinct all of the all of the commitment you know it really still feels very very much as it did you know 18 years ago when grace was born you know it just it feels feels very much the same i just know that i've got to start accepting my role is different you know my role now is i think more advisor and more continue to be try to lead an example driven life where i'm I'm Amen. trying to, you know, trying to show, and it's, you know, and I, and also 
you know, being comfortable with also sharing your fuck ups, quite frankly. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like Amy always gets mad at me. She's like, the stories you tell our kids about your life. And I was like, look, I just want them to know, like, you can make mistakes and that's the way it is. And also, you know, those things happen and, you know, you need to move on. Judgment. And, 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 and that, you know, that's that's what happens, you know, when you're a teenager. You know, you do stupid stuff, you know, and that you should. And also I want you to learn that I did this stupid thing, so maybe you shouldn't do it, you know, because I had if terrible consequences. If in that moment they make yeah. a good decision, you know. Yeah, maybe this tickles your brain somewhere, where yeah. you're, you know, before you get in a car with somebody that's been drinking or if you've been drinking. And just I just, I you know, again, I, I never, you know. I don't have all the answers, but a few things have worked, and that you know definitely the you can't love them too much is is worked, and it's not a not a coddling thing. It's more of a more of a connection thing where you're just you know you just really really letting them know that that this is this is, is I am here to make sure that as long as I'm on this planet Earth, I am doing everything I can to make sure that you're safe, alive, thriving. You know you're still. A, an organism I brought here, you know, I'm still responsible for you. Know, I don't care, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, like I said, doing their laundry or whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be attending to their needs. I, I try to, I try to be more bigger than that, that, you know, just, just making sure they realize. And part of it is, is just quite frankly, being there, you know what I mean? Being there when they, when they got this, picking them up from that, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this, that. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a daily, you know, like I say, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but, you know, I definitely wake up like, that's, that's my job, you know, so. That's your purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, yeah. brother, I, I, man, it, you know, when you, when you think about the magnitude of, of, of life. Yeah. And, and each day. And and when you have experienced loss, yeah, in an untimely way, yeah, it it refines your ability to to find that loving purpose, right? Yeah, it refines your ability to be creative and to appreciate the arts and the art of life, because it is not a science. No. Anybody who <laughs> right. who wants you to believe that is they're they're out of their minds, yeah. right? It, it, it's a it's an ongoing symphony that, that has, you know, yeah. eight billion conductors. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and I just it's such a blessing for me to have you in my life. And and, the same way. Yeah. and I think yeah. you know, the listeners who are paying attention, hopefully you hear this and you, you understand and you, and you can hear what the underlying message is behind Jan and and who he is and, and what he's trying to tell you um, because I certainly have and it is it has changed my entire perception of of my existence and I'm just uh, beyond blessed to to have you as as one of my best friends and thank you I just I think feel the same way bud <laughs> yeah I it would um, I know all my listeners would absolutely um, you know, you're gonna put me on cut, the spot here. Right? Cut my head off if if I didn't ask. It's yeah, right behind sure. you. Oh, and yes, and and if you could, my brother, I I would love it if you could play one of those songs that you uh, you talked about. Those songs that 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 come from the heart and come from that cosmic synergy in your soul. And and if you could close us out with that, man, that'd be a real blessing. No, I'd be honored. It, yeah, these are uh, these are songs that. Uh, yeah, they're so personal. Nobody hears them other than you know you and me, and maybe a few others. But that's okay, right? Yeah, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Jan Lennon. I didn't, even, I didn't really think about what I was going to play, but um, well, yeah, I, you, were, you were fooling around with this song earlier, so I played this song. It's called Gracie Girl. I wrote this when my daughter uh, couldn't sleep. She was uh, 11 days old, and you know, it was a, that, you know that period where you're not sure if they're if they're going to make it or what's going on or how come I'm not sleeping. But uh, here it goes. Grace girl, why can't you get to sleep and let your dreams slip away? Your mama's been on the night shift now, going on 11 days. Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know I'm gonna love you for the rest? Of my days, but now, Gracie girl, I wish you could just get some sleep. Tomorrow is so far away. What do you dream about when your eyes close and you finally do slip away? Is it sunshine? Maybe moonbeams? Is it the end of the day? Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know I'm gonna love you for the rest of my days? But now, Gracie girl, I wish you could just get some sleep. Tomorrow is so far away. Thought I saw your Little eyes close Oh, about a minute ago But were you joking? You're always playing I think you take after your daddy, don't you know? Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know I'm gonna love you for the rest of my days? But now, Gracie girl, I wish you could just Get some sleep Tomorrow is so far away <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, man.